said, Mama, I got bad news. Bad moods every day. Brand new tattoos on my face. I don't hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ashes to Awesome podcast, Rising to Recovery. My name is Chuck LaFlange, and thank you for joining me while we take a mostly serious look at the realities of addiction and rising in recovery. This episode is brought to you by Together We Can, where Canada recovers from addiction. That's TWCRecoveryLife.org. So it's Tuesday, and as you know, Tuesday we like to feature somebody who has arisen from the ashes of addiction and into the awesomeness of recovery. Today, David Penny from the Together We Can Recovery Society joins us with his story, and it's a great story. So right after this public service announcement, we will jump into that. We'll be right back after this quick public service announcement. Hey guys, it is time for the PSA, and the PSA is now brought to you by the Partners and Spouses of Addicts Facebook group, where they support healing from the chaos of a loved one's addiction through peer support. And the PSA is vote Narcan once again. Guys, I feel pretty strongly that everybody should keep this around. I know most of you are never going to be around irresponsible opioid use, but you never know when it's going to be around you. You could save the life of somebody that's loved and that loves and it's free at all harm reduction centers, a lot of pharmacies. And if you can't find it in your area, send me an email, ashes to awesome podcast at gmail.com. I'll do the legwork for you and I'll figure it out where you can find it for free. If you can think of a good reason that you shouldn't have any, I'll give you five more that say that you should. Okay, guys, I am sitting here with David Penny from the Together We Can Recovery Society. Did I say that right, David? You absolutely did. Yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Okay. Um, so today being a Tuesday, we'd like to focus on somebody who has risen from the ashes of addiction and into the awesomeness of recovery. And from what I understand, you've got a hell of a story. So, um, yeah, you know, um, I mean, I'm sure your listeners will appreciate diving right in. Um, you know, I'm uh, a recovering crystal math addict. Uh, and, um, you know, as of this morning, I'm, uh, just about, uh, well, I'm three years, seven months and 24 days. Clean. Wow. Good for you. Um, uh, you know, and that's, um, thank you. That's, uh, after, uh, about 25 years of, um, uh, being active in, um, you know, various addictions from drinking to stimulants. But I was, I was going to ask, is it crystal meth hasn't, well, it's been around that long, but it hasn't really been that big of a thing for 25 years. So. No, no. So originally, you know, um, my go-tos were, uh, were, were cocaine and, and speed, um, you know, which was, uh, was prevalent when I was diagnosed with, uh, ADHD, you know, one of the medications they give you, of course, is amphetamines and, uh, it's, it's very easy to, to end up abusing those. That's, that's, that's interesting. We've been actually, just this last week, ADHD has come up quite a bit. And, uh, in, in this next, next recording that I'm doing with, uh, with Ryan Bathgate, you know, as we call the captain on the show, um, um, that's one of the things that we definitely want to touch base on. Uh, for me personally, I had no idea I had ADHD because I was self-medicating for my whole life, right? <laughs> and so, so now for me to have, you know, four different sign-ins on Chrome and, and, you know, 10 different tabs open on each one, and, right? <laughs> I, I'm just now beginning to understand what's going on and, uh, but yeah, I had no idea until this recently. So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, you know, it's fun. It's uh, disorganized chaos, I like to call it. But <laughs> even within that, you know where everything is that you need. Uh, oh well, then you're you a little know, different than me because I don't have a clue where anything is. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things I like to say about addicts is we do we do like to uh, compartmentalize. You know, whether it's trauma or anything else, and my desk is is no different. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so. Can you take us back to the beginning? Like, what's what's the first time you used substances uh, as, as a kid? I, I imagine. Um, 
Yeah, sure thing. So, um, you know, a little, a little bit of backstory for myself is, um, you know, I'm originally English. Uh, I was born in England. Uh, my mom was from uh, a small city here in southern Alberta uh, called Medicine Hat. My dad was a British soldier. Uh, you know, they met after my uh, my mom's first husband was murdered. Oh, wow. Well, is, that, is that something you want to elaborate on a little bit? Or? Um, I, I don't really kind of delve into that, but, um, you know, I have two half brothers, uh, you know, from, from that previous relationship, okay. Okay. uh, you know, and, um, you know, uh, kind of growing up, um, you know, because my dad was in the British army, uh, my parents would move to a completely different city or country every year and a half to two years. Uh, you know, now bearing in mind, this was, you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties. I mean, we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have text messaging. We didn't have, you know, you could call anybody on your cell phone. So, um, you know, it meant leaving everyone and everything behind every year or every two years. Um, you know, one of the things that that taught me, you know, when I, um, when I was growing up is that nothing was permanent, you know, uh, whether that was people, whether that was places, whether that was, um, you know, things that, um, you know, uh, after years and years, um, uh, it ended up turning into like a fear of abandonment. Okay. Um, but it also, it kept me from wanting to get close to anybody, I can um, imagine. Yeah. you know, uh, so the only, the only thing that my parents could do for me to give me any kind of like reasonably normal life was, uh, they put me into a, a British military boarding school and, um, you know, for anybody that, uh, you know, it, it's not, uh, it's not Harry Potter. It's not, uh, you know, it's not glamorous. It's not, uh, friendly. It's a very, strict regimented scheduled you know uh you wake up you go here uh you know there's a lunch lady that uh that makes your breakfast your lunch and your dinner and you're you're there seven days a week for you know 11 months out of the year i got to go home uh, to see my family uh for a month in the summertime and a week at christmas oh, wow uh, wow so can i ask how old you were when you started uh, I was I was four years old when I started. Okay, so that that is life for you. Yeah, yeah, that is life for okay. me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and and what that kind of looked like is, um, you know, all the way up until I was sixteen, and my dad retired from the army, and we moved from Canada. I mean, I was I was an institutionalized child. Yeah, yeah, no you know, um, I you know we, we it was a dorm room with you know. 10 other, 10 other people, um, you know, and, um, so then we moved to Canada to, to start this new life. Um, and I went into the Canadian public school system, okay. you know, I was 16 years old. Um, I'd, we'd gone to Calgary and I'd gone in, you know, from uh, a school where, you know, uh, I was with people of all ages to a high school that I had 600 people in my graduating class. And I just was, I, you yeah, know, culture shock. I couldn't adapt. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. 
you know, and so I started uh, initially trying uh, drugs that just to kind of cope with a the culture shock, b not knowing anybody, uh, so c being this kid that had this muddled British and Canadian accent that everybody <laughs> used to make fun of. Yeah, you know. So I, I have to um, interrupt for a second, and, and I always yeah. ask. Um, did you know you were coping at that point, or is that something that you realize later in life? Oh God, no. No, okay, no, fair enough. No, right. yeah. you know, um, you know, I, um, I was, I was a smart kid, you know, and uh, when I when I applied myself, if there was a challenge, but um, you know, nothing was was kind of was getting there. I didn't have any friends. I didn't have a social group. Uh, and I used to hang out with these misfits, this group of misfits down at one set of doors for the high school. And, you know, it was the first time I kind of started smoking weed and the first time I started drinking and like, I loved the feel. There was people around me. We were happy. We were having a good time. Um, and it felt like what had been missing for all of my life till that point. Um, you know, so I, my, my education started to, to, you know, slip, uh, you know, I graduated by the, the skin of my teeth and, uh, you know, and I was a kid who used to apply myself and used to get straight A's, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, so I went to work in the bars and, you know, I worked in various different bars throughout, uh, throughout Calgary and bars and restaurants and, you know, anybody who works in the bar and restaurant industry can tell you that drinking and drugs go hand in hand, mm-hmm. you know, True story. as well yeah. as, as well as fast friends. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it continued like a natural fit. Um, you know, um, so we fast forward a few years and, um, you know, the change for, for my parents of, of, um, you know, going from moving to, from a different place every year to, you know, to living together and, you know, my dad's unhappiness with my job and my mom's unhappiness with, uh, being away from family. And, um, you know, they, they were, uh, they're both alcoholics. They were both drinking. Okay. Um, and, uh, they decided they were going to get a divorce, you know, and, um, uh, you know, the long and the short of it is, uh, 15 years ago, my mom, uh, I took her to the hospital on Valentine's day, uh, because she just, I, I like, I literally couldn't, uh, couldn't see her putting herself through anything anymore. And they told me she had about seven days left to live. Uh, She was in complete, uh, she was in complete liver failure, um, you know, from, from her own alcoholism, you know, she, she literally, um, had drank herself to death. And, um, you know, the only person at that point that she had in her life was, um, was me and my brother. She pushed everyone else away. You know, um, uh, so I had, I kind of went off the deep end, you know, um, and, and I turned to drugs as my, my coping mechanism, yeah. you know, uh, we buried my mom and, and, and honestly, you know, the last 10 years in between that were, were, uh, between when, you know, we buried my mom and, 
before I started, uh, you know, this path of recovery were kind of a blur. You know, I moved between Calgary and Edmonton and back to Medicine Hat. I couldn't hold a, a stable job. I, uh, you know, any, any money I did make, I could, I, I could barely pay any rent. You know, I was, I was using, I was using at work, um, uh, you know, and, um, my friend, Melissa, uh, you know, she was, she was kind of a saving grace for me. I, um, I went to see her at her house, uh, just to kind of pop in and, and, Melissa was the kind of girl like we used to go for drinks all of the time, uh, you know, but um, she knew when to call her the night, didn't know that I would carry on for you uh, know, a, a few more days. Few those and, um, you know, she, she turned to me and she said, you know, we, can, we, we can't do this anymore. You can't come and see me. You can't see my kids unless you get something figured out. Oh. Uh, you know, and that, that was a really, really hard hit for me because I think that was the first time that I realized that, what I was doing was affecting someone else just as badly as what my parents drinking was affecting me. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, okay. and that was kind of that light bulb moment for myself. Uh, you know, medicine hat is a, a very small community. Uh, you know, there's 50,000 people and, um, you know, in the, in the rooms of NA, there's, uh, you know, max, 15 people at, uh, at a meeting and sometimes you can go in and, you know, it's you and, and, uh, and one other addict. And, um, for a while it was kind of disheartening. I would, I would get, you know, a few days clean and then I would use, and, um, you know, that would be, it was, you know, I, I would get, I think the max I ever got was just over 30 days. Um, and I did that for about a year. So, so when and you I get knew, to that 30 day, is that the celebration? Yeah. I deserve it now because I made 30 days. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Common yeah. story. Right? You know, and in my mind it was, uh, it was more a, uh, oh, fuck, well, I've made it 30 days. So, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not as bad as I think, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, every, every time would just get worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, I, I, I got to my wits end and I, I started looking at, uh, at treatment options within Medicine Hat, you know, and I, I didn't have money. I didn't have much stuff. And, um, you know, this was before Alberta had decided they were going to invest in recovery. So I called the, the, the local treatment center and they're a, a 12 bed, 28 day facility. Okay. And they said, it's going to be about seven and a half months before oh, wow. we can get you in. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I put my name on the list and, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what else I could do. And I called, I called an acquaintance of mine that I'd, I'd known from, you know, working in the bars and, uh, you know, working within Calgary and Edmonton. And I knew that he had, some sobriety and I just broke down and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like if I keep on like I am right now, I'm going to be dead. You know, uh, I was, <clears throat> uh, he, he told me that, uh, he would give me a call the next morning and the next morning 
I, I spoke to one of the intake team at, at Together We Can, and they said, if you can make it here from Alberta, we have a bed for you right now. Wow. Um, uh, you know, and, um, I didn't, I didn't hesitate. I, uh, you know, I, I sold a couple of things. I, you know, two weeks later, I was on a bus, uh, a Greyhound from, from Medicine Hat to, to Vancouver. Um, you know, and, uh, taking a bus, a couple of provinces is not something I would recommend to anybody. <laughs> no. You know, uh, it sounds like a wonderful idea, but, um, you know, we were probably seven hours through the trip and the, the, uh, the toilet had broken down on the bus and it just, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was unpleasant, you know, but it, that was, that was the prime example of what my life was like, like, yeah, you know, yeah. All of the shit piled up behind me was not going to go anywhere, and I needed to move on. And so was, literally, you know, right? the, literally, <laughs> the yeah. bathroom at the back you of the bus. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and I, I, I had a few days clean before that, um, getting on that bus, uh, and because I just I knew that if I were to use one more time, like I would probably be dead. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I came to Vancouver because I heard, you know, as well, like I said, you know, the recovery community out here is huge. You know, you can, uh, you can walk into a meeting and, you know, you 20, 30, 30 people and, you know, you can go to another meeting. There can be a hundred people, but you, you can identify pieces of your story, you know, in everybody that shares. And that I think was something that was missing. Um, so I, I got to Vancouver and, uh, my friend Dale picked me up from Terminal Street. Uh, you know, the, the big, uh, train, train and bus depot that they have okay. downtown Vancouver. And he said, we're going for a quick drive. And, uh, I was like, all right. And, uh, you know, he drove me through the downtown east side. That's a wake up call, isn't it? Right. And, uh, yeah. he said, this is where you're at right now. He said, this is your only, this is your only go or you're going to be down here. Wow. He's like, you already know this. Uh, and, um, the very next morning I showed up at together. We can, I had spent the night, uh, you know, at my friend Chad's that had called and arranged to get me the, the bed. Um, uh, and, uh, I've been sober ever since, wow. you know, um, and it's, it's been, interesting you know uh i i went through together we can i i ended up it was about uh two months into my stay i was like i don't i don't know what i'm gonna do you know um i can't go back to medicine hat there's nothing there for me other than you know a friend or two and uh what am i gonna do and uh you know it turns out that they have uh, a network of, uh, 30 homes that have, you know, sober living. And, you know, I was given the opportunity to, to start volunteering for them. And, you know, I didn't have to make any rash decisions. You know, I didn't have to, I just kept my head down. I put one foot in front of the other. And now, you know, I've, I've everything has kind of come full circle for me. I am, 
I'm still with Together We Can. I no longer live there. You know, I live uh, in Kukwala. Uh, but I work there five days a week, you know. Um, and I, you know, uh, I get to help other people tell their stories. And I get uh, to work with other addicts who are, you know, fresh in. Uh, you know, whether that be from, you know, Cape Breton, where I've met tons of people that have come through. Or, you know, people who are local. Um uh, you know, I get to help them on their path of recovery. And, uh, you know, TWC has, has never stopped helping me with that. Uh, I'm in school right now. You know, I never thought I would be 43 years old and going for, you know, a marketing degree. But, um, you know, they're helping me with that. Uh, you know, I, uh, so I'm, I'm working full time. I'm taking uh, part-time courses to to kind of go through and uh, get a marketing management degree. But the nice part with that is, is um, you know, I get to apply everything that I'm learning in school at my job to be able to help other people. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of one of the most – I have a purpose, and I don't think in my life up until now I've ever had one. I think that uh, – Plus, you know, the people that I can talk to, the people I can count on, my support network, my sponsor, um, I never had those things, you know, and those are, those are immaterial things. It's not a, uh, it's not something you can measure. It's not something that you can touch, but that feeling that's with it, that's what's been missing my whole life. No kidding, eh? No kidding. So, I got a couple of questions for you here. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we'll go back to Medicine Hat. Um, do they have, yes. a, is there a detox? Because the difference between detox and treatment is two very different worlds, right? And well, I don't know at, at TWC, yeah. they might be in the same building for all I know, but um, yeah. uh, my experience with detox was in Saskatchewan and uh, in, in Moose Jaw, which um, until now I haven't really said those things, but um, yeah. Moose has just the most amazing detox program there. Um, it, yeah. it's, it truly is. So the process there is that you have to, um, you call in to get on the list. It might be, you might be number 35 on, on the list looking for a bed. And every day between, you know, 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. or whatever the window is, you have to make sure you call just to, to keep your place, yeah. right? And if you're five minutes late, you go right back to the bottom of that list, right? Yeah. And, and, I think that's important because there's only so many beds and there has to be some sort of qualifier, right? Um, to, yeah. to get into it. Um, for people that, that aren't in addiction, and, and I know a lot of my listeners aren't or are never have been, to make that commitment to in that 12 hour window is a hell of a thing when you're in active addiction, right? <laughs> you know? 100%, you know? So, uh, did, even just having access to a phone. Right. That's really quite often. You know, right? we, yeah, yeah. 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 So, was there anything like that? Um, that kind of program in, in medicine had at that point or they, uh, they had access, you had access to day talks, um, at the hospital. Okay. Um, but that, that was really it, you know, um, you know, so much so that, um, you know, even, even, you know, the police service doesn't know what to do with people who are in addiction. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, I recall spending, uh, an evening in the drunk tank, uh, you know, <laughs> High, high on methamphetamines and, um, you know, honestly, uh, uh, in psychosis, yeah. you know, and they had no idea what to do with me. You know, they put me in the drunk tank, let me sober up and then sent me on my way. Well, fortunately it wasn't worse than that. It just sounds like you had, it yeah. was a caring cop at that point. Right. So, yeah. um, 
do you, so do you know if any of that has changed back in Medicine Hat? Have you kept in touch with anybody? Is there, is there something similar? So Medicine Hat has, uh, has, has recently started a, a new program um, of education and prevention where they have started with the public school board to put recovery coaches okay. into the schools. Okay. Yeah. So uh, at, the, at the public high school level, they're teaching people about recovery from addiction. Okay. Not it not not just not just addiction, but you know, um, preemptive. Like yeah. this is how you can get your life on track. This is how we can help you. This is how you can help a friend who's addicted. So hopefully that makes a difference. And and, and, and no it's a total over time, so. right? But at least it's something. Right? Yeah. I mean, geez. Yeah. You know. So um <clears throat> Now, when you went to TWC, and if this is something you don't want to talk about, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. The cost, uh, how's, how did that happen for you? I mean, that's, and, and so, the term <coughs> to, to add to that, how long, you, you said a couple of months into it. What, what, yeah, so I, I was there for, for 90 days. Okay. Um, I, I came in on medical unemployment. Okay. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I, while I couldn't hang, I like hold on to a job, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty much consistently employed. Uh, you know, the one thing about Southern Alberta is there's no shortage of labor jobs and, you know, so this and, where I am now. Uh, so, yeah. oil and gas and, you know, and, and everything else. Right. So I, you know, I was lucky that I was, I was consistently working and I was, I was, I was paying into unemployment so that, uh, when I came out to TWC, uh, they worked with, uh, unemployment insurance to get me put on. Okay, medical so that was my next question. Did they help treatment. you with that, yeah. that aspect of it? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, my only responsibility at, at getting to treatment was, was getting through the door and they helped me figure everything else out after that. That's amazing. You know, That's uh, truly amazing. being from Alberta, I didn't have any medical health coverage. You know, they, they helped me get on, um, the, uh, what is it? Uh, MSP. You know they they help me with all. MSP is BC's uh, BC BC's health plan. Okay, it's okay. medical gotcha. medical services plan. So okay. you know it's kind of like every province has their own healthcare plan yeah. and everything else. Uh, you know they 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 literally help me get all of that so that I could get my my you know medical health, my dental health. You know they they they, they help me figure all of this out. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, for uh, for crystal meth addict coming in with quite a few missing teeth, you know, that's uh, it's something that's high on the priority list. Yeah, you yeah, know, no kidding. Uh, and I'm still, you know, missing a few, <laughs> but you know, I uh, <clears throat> I have a you know, like I have a partial plate yeah. that yeah. Uh, you know that I can wear, but. Uh, you know, typical me, I, I've gotten used to the way that I sound and I don't, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I, I can relate you know. to that too much. I'm actually, um, um, <clears throat> talks with an online dentist. Uh, I, I figure a great way to help, uh, loved ones want to help their addicts. Moms want to give their kids a smile back, all of that stuff, right? Um, yeah. But dentures are yeah. brutally expensive, right? So 100%, and, and if you go yeah. through online, it's, uh, uh much, much less expensive anyway, much less expensive. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm having a conversation with somebody in that industry right now about uh, helping the show out. And, you know, 
and get my smile back because <laughs> right? yeah 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 <laughs> i can relate to absolutely i hear you yeah i hear you yeah, yeah. so uh, <clears throat> you know but that's 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 one of the lesser known i think effects of recovery as well is that um you know these are these are all things from our addiction that uh, keep us from seeking treatment and seeking help because we don't want to be seen as less than or, or you know, not being able to care for ourselves. But but we haven't been, yeah. um, you know, and, and it's, you know, when we start tackling these things, you know, uh, it might seem like a small insurmountable thing to someone who, you know, has uh, health care coverage from their job and goes to their dentist twice, twice a year. But you know, when I came into treatment, it had, it had been six years since I'd seen a dentist, right. you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and these are all the kinds of, of things that we challenge ourselves for, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, when we don't see the good in ourselves because of all of these inequities that we don't address, it's so hard to, to, to put that best foot forward without that fear of judgment that we're, we're so used to being judged and judging ourselves uh, that when it takes us a while to break out of that, that shadow. Yeah. And, and I call that addiction, know? keeping its boot on your neck. Right. And it's, yeah. and, and it's, it's <clears throat> great at that. It's a cunning, cunning demon. <laughs> it's a demon yeah. addiction is right. They will, it will, it will make you think all of those things. It'll exaggerate those things and, and, and just keep you down. Right. So, um, uh, next question for you, uh, the sober living. So tell me about that. What's that like? What's, what's, uh, well, uh, so, <clears throat> uh, sober living is, um, uh, you know, I had moved into <clears throat> essentially a, uh, a, you know, a full size house and I was, I was living, uh, splitting a, a bedroom as, you know, people in Vancouver often do, uh, with, uh, you know, someone else who was in recovery and, um, you know, there was uh, 10 of us in a house, you know, um, we all paid rent. We had a curfew. We all had a, a chore in the house, you know, and so I always like to think that treatment sets you up for getting you sober okay. and, and sober living is about now that I'm sober and I have to go back to my daily life. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so I, I stayed in. Uh, in sober living or transitional housing or second stage program, you know, everywhere has a different name for it. Uh, and I, I stayed there for a year um, and that allowed me to not have to worry about paying bills like internet, TV, uh, worrying about my, you know, food costs and, you know, everything else. The only thing I had to worry about was, uh, you know, I, I paid TWC and, all of that was in, included and I would go about my day and I would come home to a group of people who were in recovery themselves. Yeah, yeah. We would support each other, you know, uh, and I built some great friendships. Out so there, is there, you know? is there drug testing or some sort of something to keep there is, along the straight and narrow? Yeah. So, you know, as, as well as, like I said, <clears throat> being in a shared room makes you accountable to the other person that's, and the, <clears throat> excuse me, that's in the, in the room with you. Uh, there's also random drug testing. Uh, you know, we also have to have to sit down and do a weekly meeting, uh, you know, with each other okay. 
to let each other know what's going on in our lives. Okay. Um, yep. you know, and that's, that, that lets you know where everyone in the house is. And then usually we would, you'd have your airing of grievances. I like to call it like, Oh, you know, so-and-so, uh, is left dishes in the sink all week. And, you know, I'm just tired of cleaning up after him, you know? So, uh, you know, and there's, there's a house manager there who's, uh, literally there as, as an in house support worker, uh, that can, that can help you with so many different things, you know, um, when you're having a shitty day or if you get off the phone or, you know, you're, uh, you get yelled at at work and, you know, you come home defeated. It's, it, it's so different because, you know, people see that change in you and they're like, Hey, what's going on? You know? And, uh, you know, you're actually free to talk about it and, and get some advice if you want, you know, um, yeah. uh, but it, it was it was so different going from you know being alone uh, you know using drugs and and only having people around me that that you know allowed me to use so to speak or you know were uh, you know the friends of convenience like they knew that I was fucked up but they didn't say anything because you know it was a good time and yeah you know mm-hmm. uh, to to you know, people who are in that same, you know, like, oh man, like I'm having a really bad day. I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling today. I'm just not feeling it. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, it was a year that, that really helped me get my life back on track. And, and in baby steps at that, it sounds like, right? So, and I, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I guess, you know, from outside looking in at your <clears throat> specific circumstance, that feeling of family must have been something very different than, than what you were doing. 100%. Not, not just from your using yeah. days, but from your growing up, right? Like it's, it's yeah. a totally different world, I yeah. imagine, right? So, you know, um, my, my first sponsor, um, uh, you know, in, uh, in Vancouver, um, you know, has now actually, he is also one of my best friends. Okay. He's no longer my sponsor, okay. but, um, um, you know, we, we work together, um, as well now, you know, and, and we have this, this great supportive relationship that, um, you know, we, we can talk about absolutely anything. And he, he is literally, uh, you know, at times he's, he's a brother to me and, you know, at times he's, he's like the dad I, you know, wish I had. Okay. okay. So, yeah. um, and, and I've got to ask a couple of things about relationships and you mentioned your dad. Um, your yep. mom passed. Is your dad still with us? Is he? Uh, my dad is still with us. Um, I have talked to my dad, uh, and I can count it on on one hand uh, okay. this number of times since I turned eighteen. Oh, okay, okay. So not a big part of your life. Uh, yeah, has has not been a big part of my okay. life. Okay, so that's not something we need to go too far into. Um, and the next, no, one, I got to um, ask you, Melissa. What? Yeah. Okay. What? Tell me, there's a happy ending with that, please. Please. Uh, so Melissa and I talk all the time. Oh, um, actually, uh, you know, she's kind of, uh, a, a few times a week, um, you know, we're back and forth and, uh, you know, we're, we're active in each other's lives. Okay. Uh, you know, her, her parents were out here, uh, uh, in BC, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago and I'm 
uh, unfortunately we weren't able to connect, but they, uh, you know, they absolutely love me. Uh, her, her whole family, uh, you know, is, is proud of the change that's occurred, awesome. Awesome. you know? Uh, yeah, she, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I'm, I'm really glad that you kept in touch with her because I, yeah, I wanted to circle back to that. So that makes me happy. Yeah, for sure. So, um, well, I mean, you're definitely, you know, risen from the ashes and, and into the awesomeness, you know, as I like to say on the show here. And, and, and for that, I think mean, the world's a better place and it sounds like your life is certainly in a better way for it. Right. So. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Is there is there anything you would like to say to to two groups of people, um, to people in active addiction and and at any stage in the recovery, and to the loved ones? Because um, you know, we like to focus on that quite a bit in the show. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think a lot of focus has been put on, you know, things to say to, uh, to to both groups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I, if there's just one simple thing that both groups can take away from us is please don't ever give up. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's applicable to both, you know, uh, we all need love. We're all, we're all struggling on, on both sides and neither of you have done anything wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, uh, so please don't ever give up on yourself and don't ever give up on your loved one. Um, you know, it, it can, it's, it's not an easy process. Um, but, but it's, it's worth it. At some point, something changes and everything that you have said to your loved one, they remember. Don't ever stop telling them that you. Um, I really want to thank you for for joining us, David. Um, I mean, the story is a great no one, and you just can't get enough of these, right? And and hopefully, yeah. it inspires somebody to make a change or somebody to not give up in, in what they're in what they're trying to do. So, and uh, and and to TWC, wow, wow, what an amazing program! And uh, I'm, I'm glad to be working with with you guys on that. So, um, and that brings us to my favorite part of the show, and that is the daily gratitudes. And if you don't practice daily gratitudes, guys, maybe you should. They've been a huge part of my recovery and and that of other people that I know. And at the end of the day, if you're taking stock of the good shit in your life, it can only lead to more good shit. So, And the daily gratitudes are brought to you by the No New Friends podcast. That is a podcast for adults who love to laugh at adulting. I cover a lot of serious stuff in this show. They are my break from it. They're, you know, my, my comedic relief, if you will, from uh, from some of the darker things that, that we like to talk about here. So... Um, David, if you could give me three daily gratitudes, that'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, well, you know, I, uh, I can't give enough credit ever. Uh, so, uh, you know, one of the things I'm most grateful for number one on my list, you know, is, is my friendship with my friend Melissa, uh, you know, uh, without her, I, I wouldn't be sitting where I'm at today. Uh, I am grateful for the ability to, um, use my experience to help others. Uh, and I'm grateful for TWC for making it home for me in the lower mainland and allowing me to, uh, to rebuild my life. Those are three great ones. And, uh, and for the fourth gratitude guys, it's coming for me and it's for you, the listeners, you guys are doing an amazing thing. Um, you're helping me to live my best life. And 
that is to spread the message. So, and hey, if you are in active addiction right now, today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that lifelong journey. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, call into detox, go to a meeting, do whatever the hell it is you need to do to get started because it is so much better on the other side. And if you're the loved one of an addict, you've just taken the time to listen to our show. And for that, I'm very grateful. If you could just take two more minutes out of your day and text that addict, let them know they are loved. Use the words. You are loved. That little glimmer of hope just might be the thing that brings them back. Bottom of the ninth. Up against the odds, running out of time, only got one shot when it's really do or die. When your back's against the wall, when you're fighting for your life, do you believe in you or not? I'm a believer, I believe. I'm a believer, I believe. Second guessing every breath, I'm full of questions. Passes full of cigarettes, alcohol, and depression. Therapists and all the different pills can get expensive. All this bottled up aggression, I'm too old to get arrested. Almost died trying to get here. Got high through my best years. Got sober, then I relapsed, then I cleaned up, got my head clear. Sometimes it feels like there ain't to believe in, but I believe that we're out here for a reason. You don't think you're a fighter. I put on myself for years Tired from my 20s The whiskey bottles and beers Tired of smiling While I've been holding back tears But I believe I can do it So I'm here I'm a believer I believe I'm a believer I believe Told I have a death wish, no one's interested Cold and too aggressive, close to hypertension I'm broken from the pressure, explosive with my temper I'm sober, but I'm stressing and hoping it gets better Am I falling off? Should I give it up or put it all on pause? Let go of this dream so I can visit home and talk to mom? Maybe all I need's another Instagram post With a quote about believing in yourself when you're low You don't think you're a fighter But I'm a believer Nothing is impossible I'm a believer I believe I'm a believer I believe You don't think you're a fighter